Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I'm Matt Bork. So, thanks very much for all the feedback with regards to the interview with Michael Collins. It was absolutely fantastic to sit down with Michael. Brilliant. It's so kind of timely. Uh, that's the kind of area that I'm uh, starting to move into, you know, more meditation, more mindfulness, more spiritual, it's more spirituality, more awakening. I just love all that. I love the kindness and uh, compassion meditation and that kind of whole area and so it's brilliant to be able to sit down with him and talk you know the art of real conversation he's a really really good guy and has an amazing story and i'm glad that people have resonated with it and and really uh enjoyed the the interview i loved it i love the conversation i love all conversations like that okay so today's interview did the delay uh is with myself and two of my pals uh, from the RTI, uh, from the, the National Rehabilitation Hospital, Rose Cortes and Maeve Nolan have been on the podcast before, but they've been asking me to do an interview. You know, they said they wanted to thank me for the work that I do in the hospital. But you know, I've always said, and even in my private life, I'm only the average of the five people I spend the most time with, and I really mean that. You know, and that's not kind of uh, playing it down or anything like that you know i would be nothing without this organization i'm here and i make a contribution but they also make a contribution to me uh rose Maeve, they make a contribution to me so it's, it's a good fit and it it's a it's a great place to work so it was really interesting to sit down with the guys and have the chats i will have to apologize for the for the camera work the camera goes at 35 minutes it's gone on other interviews before and i'm really really sorry i'm absolutely making the balls of it somehow either the 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 memory stick goes in or the 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 battery and i don't have an extension lead some fucking thing keeps going it's driving me bananas but i promise we'll get it sorted i was saying to the lads today that we might uh stop doing it but i don't want to give up that's just a form of giving up by not doing and getting frustrated so i'll just have to see it through i'll have to be more professional there's a lot of work in fairness uh, to setting up an interview because I do it on the fly. As you can see, I'm in the National Rehab today. I'm on my lunch break again. So I kind of have to do the interviews wherever I can, whenever I can. And it, it takes a lot of preparation. And sometimes I, I, I sometimes I don't string it all together, trying to think of the interviews, trying to think of the, 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 the technological fucking shit. Uh, and then asking the questions and be prepared and the lighting. And it, there's a lot of work. In it, and I, as I say, I do it on my own. And the other lads do the, the background work at home, Aaron and Kev. You know, they do amazing work. So it's about just trying to pull it all together and getting it right. And it's just not happening at the moment. But I promise we'll get the video and, uh, done. I do enjoy it. I just don't enjoy when it just goes belly up. But uh, we'll get there in the end. If anyone wants to sponsor a camera, I'd really appreciate that. Because at the moment, we just have Kev's uh, GoPro. And that's doing the job. But I obviously keep making the balls up of it. So yeah, that's, the, that's that bit out of the way. As regard to the interview today, myself and the girls sat down and had the chats, and I really felt comfortable sitting down with them having the talk, because I've known them a long time, and they've been really uh, good to me over the years, professionally and personally. So the, co- the stuff we covered is why I do what I do, why what I do here, uh, my journey to it, uh, my meditation, my you know my yoga that I'm getting started in, my boot camps, the, the influence I've had on the hospital, uh, you know, my top tips for, you know, staying well within your mind, my, my thoughts around things, there's loads of that stuff. I kind of got into a bit of stuff around my mental health and, you know, my past, my childhood trauma. I didn't get into it too much. We, we, we bounced back and forth from things. 
there is a, another discussion within that, you know, I, I don't mind explaining that to people, but I just, as I said to the girls, I have to be careful around the family stuff. You know, people don't get hurt. And you know, as I say, I've done a lot of my own work, but it will be another conversation I'll have, you know, and I don't mind talking about it. Uh, it's important as a as a male and as a role model and a leader within my, my organisation that I'm uh, advocating for mental health and advocating for, for looking after yourself and, and demonstrating how I do it. And that's how if you want to be a leader, you got to lead from the front and I believe that I am a leader. Uh, so yeah, look, have a listen to the interview and let us know what you think. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank Noel Royley from Rooney Graphics, you know, I'm delighted with their help and their support, they're great guys. I would also like to make a shout out to, to the Liberties, you know, people know I'm from the Liberties and I, I sing from the roof that I love it. And I would like to give a shout out to uh, Lisa and Sandra at the, the Shannon Hope charity, they're doing amazing work, you know, for mental health and suicide prevention within the Liberties. And then and also another new initiative within the area is meditation with louise i've been to the meditation i've said it in the last podcast please please check her out she's on instagram she's on facebook i don't know if she's on twitter but she does a class on Thursday nights in the catherine's uh sports center in marble lane uh, and and the liberties in general if you've not been there before please make your business the go there's lots of tours going on i think liz gillis and she's on facebook she's been on the podcast before check her out on facebook she does some stuff now she's uh doing tours i think she's always done tours but check her out come visit come visit liberty market there's a new hairdressers at the end of mead street called janie she used to be in uh david david marshall is it david 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 something david from francis street but they were there for 18 years but jane jane hogan she's open her hairdressers at the end of mead street there's lots of things there. there's lots of nail bars there's butchers there's pubs there's the crack come along visit the place You'll really, really enjoy it. And you can go to the Liberty Market and you can buy uh, Scaldi Runners for 20 quid. Dodgy Air Max, they'll probably fall off in two weeks. But at least you'd look Gucci for two weeks anyway. So, there you go. I can take a breath now. Uh, have a listen to the interview. Let us know what you think. Uh, we're on all the uh, the podcast servers. We're on YouTube. Uh, so, subscribe, like, press the like button. Sound like a fucking YouTuber again. Uh, yeah, and leave reviews, get in contact with us on social media. I'll keep posting the little videos. Hopefully that will keep uh, the Magic Minds podcast uh, in the front of your mind. Uh, have a great day and mind your little selves. As always, be kind to you and you will be kind to the rest of the world. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. Right, go for it. We're all systems go. Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I am definitely not Matt Burke, but he is here with us. He's here with Maeve Nolan and myself, Rose Curtis, shivering in his shoes. (laughs) 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 And boy, is he shivering. (laughs) That is an absolute understatement. (laughs) So how does it feel, Matt? Uh, Jesus Christ, this is torturous. Is this what it was like for you when I done the interview? Yep. (laughs) I think I was probably nicer to you than you are being to me. Maeve, you're beautiful. (laughs) But you're like being the punisher. It's like good cop, bad cop here. I don't know who to trust. Well, really, Matt, we we wanted you to come on the podcast because us and several other people wanted to say a huge thank you to you because you have brought so much to us in NRH since you came over six years ago now, 52 podcasts later. 
but we need to say a massive thank you to you. But there's so many of us want to know a lot more about what's under the bonnet. Oh, jeez. So. Feck all. Feck all. <laughs> it's all jazz hands. But no, I really appreciate you saying that. You know, as you know, how much I love the organisation, how much I love the role. I love the people. Well, most of them. Uh, no, that's a joke. Uh, we've got an amazing organisation. It's just easy to work here. Do you know what I mean? It just, it's, you're able to flourish, whether it be, through the jobs you do, through the education it provides, it's through the training. It's just it's been a invaluable part of my life over the last number of years. But before before we get into that, I'd just like to echo what Rosa said. We got together a few weeks back or a few months back now and said, How will we thank Matt for all that he does? And we thought you weren't really a bunch of flowers guy and the box of chocolates wouldn't do with the with the diet and all the rest of it. So we thought, what would we do? So rather perversely we decided we would turn the tables on you and put you in the hot seat and make a podcast with you as the guest. Someday. So we want to know what's the story, man. I think I'd sooner the flowers and the chocolates. <laughs> and like a bag of Haribo would have done the job, do you know what I mean? I'm easily pleased, little pleased to simple, as they say. Well, generally, I think people who are very good at paying attention to other people's stories, they generally have a story to tell themselves. And I think one of the really nice things about your podcast, and people have mentioned this over the time, is you've such a chatty informal style so we're hoping we can recreate that here this evening and get a little bit you know behind the scenes of, of what brings you here and what what motivates you to to work as you do thanks i really appreciate it i feel really comfortable to sit down with you guys you know you have been colleagues and then i would regard you know as friends within it you know you've been both been hugely influential in my career and me as a person so yeah it's deadly to sit down and have the chats but I say that now, but we'll see how, <laughs> when, it, when it starts getting uh, difficult, it'll probably change my mind. So take us back a bit, Matt. You know, when you came here, you very quickly, obviously you, you gelled so well when you came to the RTU and you've worked with so many trainees. But a lot of people would find that working in the RTU, they're a little bit detached from the rest of the hospital. Yet you found your way very quickly onto the positive working environment group, onto the suicide awareness group. You're doing boot camps. You're doing you were doing all kinds of training. What? How did you manage that? And what drew you to all of that here? Uh, honestly, it was probably bred out of not having a full time contract. Uh, you know, I was always on a, a permanent contract. I was always on a, a temp con contract. Uh, it was rolling, rolling. So you know, in order to to increase my chances of getting employment, I wanted to be active. We're not active in just doing anything. You know, the, the positive working group environment is really important to me. Uh, the boot camps, all the stuff that I, I moved towards, they were things that I was interested in anyway. So it was beneficial to me. It was a win-win, you know. Uh, and just, I love meeting people. I love being involved in the hospital community. We are isolated down here. I always use the analogy of we're like the ugly cousins. Everyone knows we're here, but they don't know what we do. And uh, I swear to God, I, I, I can't, say enough about this program like i really love it i think it's one of the best things i've not done too much work outside here in brain injury rehabilitation but this program has it all as in it's holistic you know mind body and soul you know we've counseling we've dot's and it's just a really nourishing environment for people to grow with a brain injury you know if people come here for cognitive rehabilitation and they're probably their their insight and awareness might not be there but they might gain so much more so much more from the program you know you might try bang them into the, the medical model but it might be just about the integration into the community it might be about just 
increasing their, their, their awareness and their family life loads and loads and I probably I wanted to promote that within the hospital I wanted to get us recognised and I think we are I think due to the, the staff that we have here we're doing that I don't think it's just me I, uh, I work with a fantastic team I probably I probably always didn't do that as well if I'm honest when I came in in 2013 I was terribly nervous I didn't think I was professional I didn't think I was good enough to be here I wouldn't make phone calls in the office in front of anyone in case I sound like a numpty. Like, you can't say this and you can't say that. Because I used to see them as being professional. Their OTs, their psychologists, if they hear me, McNumpty, from the inner city, from the flats talking, they'll think, what the hell is he doing here? So I was shitting, do you know what I mean? Like, But now that's that has totally changed. I, I really lean in on my team I, I advocate for us I talk about it really highly and I believe it you know I, mm. I feel part of the team now that wasn't anything that they did or made me feel back then they were all just my insecurities they were my self-doubts absolutely because you were probably like a breath of fresh air you always had that energy about you and enthusiasm and you're thinking you know nothing and they're thinking god he's great but yeah like um, people said nice things now but you know yourself you, you don't believe if you don't feel it like you all you really like I remember Adina O'Driscoll asked me to come here and she like she's a huge influence on me career. She believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And I I didn't like although I I listen to her and I believe yeah like well yeah she says you you're good at this you be good at this something. Oh, what does this woman know? She doesn't know me you know and and that was that self doubt was there and but yeah it took a long time it took a long time for that to go away. Mm. You know and that was true the the integrations in the the different committees within the hospital working with you guys the stuff you said to me personally professionally stuff that you said to me all these things have a huge impact on me words are hugely important and they mean a lot to me like just the smallest of things you know what i mean that you really as much as when you're a child and people say bad things to you they can be ingrained in your brain now my whole mindset changed i really only take on the kind of things that, that benefit me now where before I would have always took on things like if somebody said something negative. Now I'm kind of like a bit like is it Teflon? Is it things yeah. is roll? You know, yeah. I've moved. You know, like before I'd have you know negative thoughts about people. I think I can't name people on one hand that I'd have a negative towards. I could tell you all the people that's done good in my life to me, and that's the kind of area I've moved towards. And that's thanks to the hospital and that has enabled me to grow professionally and personally. That's a long-winded answer, isn't yeah. it? Loving, loving Jesus. But that's such a focus on the the positive. It's amazing, particularly when you describe how nervous you were at the beginning. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have recognised that or seen it, would you? Um, I think, I think you're so honest that Matt would have been very open, would have said, you know, I am very nervous. Or, well, you can spot it. Like you, 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 you have an innate, you know, even when you used to come up to you in the boot camp and say, how are you today? And I'd say, yeah, grand, grand. And you'd look at me in the eyes and go, are you though? I can see in your eyes and like, fuck, she knows what's going on, you know. But again, I have to be very mindful of other people in the hospital. Yeah, I'm honest and open about my feelings, whether it be nervous, anxious, feeling down, whatever. But I don't say it to many people because I have to be mindful of their day and how it impacts them because I'm a, a huge influence in here and around the hospital. So I have to be mindful of that as well. That's not hiding it away, but it's just been, it's been fair, you know, and, you know, I just think it's, I tell some people and I wouldn't tell others, just yeah. some people don't need to handle it. I've said this to people here before and say, how are you? And I've said, not great. 
and they, their face would change, their whole mood would change, and it'd impact them. And, and mm-hmm. I, I have to be mindful of that as well, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll come back to, to your work here in the NRH because there's lots we want to ask you about boot camp and about the RTU. But bring us back a bit. What, what, where were you before you came here? 1984. Let's oh, Jesus. <laughs> that time. Are you joking? That time in bank camp. <laughs> uh, where, how did I get here? I suppose. I had loads of different jobs. You know, I served my time as a sheet metal worker. I was a butcher in Mead Street, a place I love. The Liberties is, is my heart. You know, I love it there with all my heart. Is that and where the, you were born? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I lived there, born and raised. Uh, I worked in a butcher's. Uh, I loved that, you know. Sorry to leave that. We left that, went back to the building trade. And then that went uh, belly up in 2007, 2008. And uh, I was doing a bit of door work and I was on the labour and uh, they sent me this letter. It was basically the letter says you got to go get a job because we're going to invest money in you. We're going to invest time in you. You know, they pick people out, just these letters. So I had to go to the uh, to the local employment office and I showed him the letter. And he said, look, you better get a course. I said, I'm doing a bit of door and all. I'm grand. He's like, look, they're going to be onto you, onto you. You need to be doing some. So I was like, right. Okay, what will I do? And he's like, I don't know. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm interested in fitness. So I'll you know, go to gym. He said, well, do a course and that, you know. And he's like, uh, there's one in Inchy Core. And I was like, right, then I'll do that. What do I need for that? And he goes, do you have a leave insert? And I was like, yep. And he goes, right, I'll come back to me tomorrow or whatever like that, blah, blah. And he rings me about two hours later. He goes, you have to fucking lie to me. And I says, why? What did I do? He goes, you don't have a leave insert. You failed your leave insert. I'm like, she didn't ask that. <laughs> she just asked that I got a fucking leave there. But no, I purposely lied, you know, because the leave insert was, uh, was a huge, huge, huge hangover for me. You know, I failed me leaving. I failed it disasterly. Like, you know, and it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing me. I still celebrate leave insert night, by the way. I went down and got hammered, as I did at 15 slash 16. Uh, but it hung over me, it hung over me. I always felt stupid, I always felt like a failure, I always, not just that, it was a combination of other things in life that had an impact on me, you know. So he just said, look, you didn't need to lie to me. He says, you don't need, you're an adult or a mature student or whatever. He says, I can, uh, we can get you on the, the, the program. He says, just tell me, be straight with me all the way forward. And I said, okay, uh, Dave Brown is his name, he's a kill cool guy, he's in there. I think it's the James Street Employment Centre. But lovely, lovely fellow. He was great to me. So, yeah, I went on to that course. I went for the interview, actually. And, again, the lady that I met, Karen Parkinson, she, lovely woman, the, the course coordinator. And she said the same thing. She said, I think you'd be good at this. And, again, I was like, what does she know? She hasn't got a clue. And, plus, I'm on the labour. I'm doing door. I don't really want to be here anyway. Uh, and then I got on the course. I came a uh, class rep. I'd done a few assignments. I didn't know how to even put on a computer. I didn't know what a Word document was. You know, the only thing I knew about computers was I was going down to the local CAF to go on dating webs. You know, these dating sites. Because all the lads in the building site so used to do them. So I used to go down to the CAF. I'd be on datinginorland.com. Do you know I mean? The woman beside me be looking. I'd be like checking out, girl. I'm like, stop looking. You know what I mean? So that's all I knew. But then I had to grow up and get a computer and a laptop and be the class rep. And I just... I handed in a communications assignment. I swear to God, I was at the handed in a thesis. You know, the book of Kells. I was like proud of this piece, a masterpiece with my name and fonts and all this italic writing and all. And uh, yeah, and it just snowballed from there. And I just, I just got into it because I, I was sort of good at this. And I was being the class rep and I was doing well and I was getting distinctions and all this kind of thing. And, and I, I was hugely into drinking and partying at the time. 
a huge I was an awful an awful fecker for that kind of life you know but I slowly started to, to change that you know you know yourself you can either dedicate your life to one thing or the other you can't ride two bikes with the one arse so that's the, the, the route I went down I kind of changed my phone number and I invested my time in this and uh yeah and then that just it just it just it just became it became just infectious and I wanted more and more because all the while <clears throat> excuse me I was trying to fill this in a void of failure okay. you know I, I'd done all I got all the assignments then I applied to get into talent you know the I, I wasn't happy enough doing uh the, the leisure management and personal training so I'll be a scientist always want to be and become be and become I'll be a scientist you know I'll be this personal trainer always trying to get away from this innate feeling is I'm not good enough and I remember like I couldn't wait to get out of college in, in, in Chicago and I couldn't wait to get to, to talent and every time I got to these points there was an emptiness there was nothing there it was just right next move on to the next one I bet I in like I, I soaked it all up but I missed loads of life like I didn't go out party I didn't go to family events I didn't mi mix with me mates and you know it was all arse about face chasing this so had you gone from one extreme to the other had you gone from loads of partying to no party 100 percent pursuit of something to fill this emptiness fill this emptiness okay okay yeah it was always to fill this in a feeling of not good enough not not doing enough, not being enough, not becoming. Just mm. I was becoming like a, like if you were to talk about this, I am gonna be a scientist. I'm gonna be mm. a, whatever. Do you know? And had you made more sense as you've gone along of that? What that sense of emptiness or failure was? It wasn't just the leaving cert. That was probably part of it, but it wouldn't have been all of it, would it? No, oh, no, Jesus, no, no. It, it was just like from what I know now, we're jumping miles forward. Like I done the college, I come here, you know. I've engaged in, in, in counseling and psych, psychotherapy six, seven years. You know, it was a, it was a childhood trauma, you know. Uh, things said to me as a child that was etched into my brain. You're not good enough. You're lazy or whatever. Just little things. People, girls said to me at a young age, you know, I was ugly or, you know, like I was, I was, I actually remember one girl telling the girls going out with that. She's you're going out with him. And she says, yeah, he's the ugliest man in the world. I was 15. What the fuck? They that, were so wrong, Matt. They that were was so wrong. That cr <laughs> well, my mates actually say to me this day, Jesus Christ, you like wine. You've 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 better with ours. My mate D Collins says to me Bring all the time. The podcast with Sarge. No, it's my mate D Collins. He absolutely is my best mate, but it's funny as fuck. So it was that, and it was a childhood trauma. Like I had sexual abuse. I, I was abused as a child. I didn't actually. I actually didn't know the impact of it. It was a blind spot, you know. I didn't see it as this is what's causing the problem. It was just something that happened to me and I didn't tell anyone because I felt if I can keep this in, it means I'm stronger than, than everyone. Mm. Like this, this was kind of like my badge of strength. But the more and more I, I, I beat it down through drink and drugs or whatever, it was, uh, that was it. And it couldn't be cured by if an honours in it, in a, or first honours in a, in a course or a, you know, a distinction or whatever, or ch keep chasing courses and n none of that, none of that solved it. It, it was actually doing the work. And I don't really talk too much about the whole sexual abuse or the child trauma. Again, it's, I have to be mindful of my family. I have to be mindful of my friends, you know, because people, you know yourself, I'm open about it. If you want to talk, we'll sit, talk about it, but they haven't done the work and they might take blame from her. They might 
not understand or you don't know the impact on it but i have done my work i know where it sits and i know what i need to do and how to mind myself but i don't believe they do so i have to be careful of that as well mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, my mom my dad my brother you know so yeah it, it, i don't it, i don't suppress it anymore I, i'll talk if, we, if, if somebody else had that problem we want to, no problem but i don't throw it out there I just i just think it I, I, I've done a lot of work to deal with it, mm. uh, but I didn't recognize all through the years of the college and the drinking, and, and that's what it was. Yeah. You know, I remember someone saying to me before, you did all that because you loved it. I said, yeah, I did love it. I did, just like I love sweets, just love, like all other things that in, <laughs> in large quantities are not good for you. But there's always a way to it. There is, there's a deep-rooted reason why we overeat, overdrink, overparty, overindulge in any kind of negative yeah. behaviour. And that was mine. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you've made quite a lot of peace with it at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't chase becoming anything anymore. I'm happy being me. I, I promise you, I, I think I'm more than enough. Yeah. You know, and, and, and through the counselling, through my reading, through interviews with you, through talks with you, just snippets of you know, changing my behaviours, like even the impact, remember you were telling me about that guy on the course, about the behaviour change, your mum's like, oh, I'm doing this years, and I, uh, I can't sustain change sometimes, was that, mm. was that the way it was? Yeah, it, it was, I can't remember the guy's name now, but I was at a, a, a study day, and this guy was talking about how, the, the maintaining the, the change can be so difficult, and he, he talked about, you know, having been like, the slimmer of the year, and, uh, for so many years, for something like seven years consecutively, he had maintained the changes. But now here he was, ten years later, back at the starting point again. That, you know, it's it's very hard to actually maintain big change. Mm. That you have to keep working. It it's a bit like giving up cigarettes, or you know, like I would have smoked for years and then I gave them up. And I, I, I would still never say I will never smoke again. Right. Yeah. You know, yes. that, yeah. Unless you're on top of it. And if you, I have that one cigarette, I could have twenty tomorrow. Absolutely, and and that that like them them conversations me used to have, you and I yeah. used to have for that ten minutes was vital. Like they're really important. They're rich, and I used to go away thinking I love those human connection. And it was with that chat me and you had was I was thinking about that because I had hangovers. Like I've a a science degree, I have a personal training, blah, 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 blah. Why can I not maintain my weight? Why can I not stay lean? Why can I, why am I overeating? Why am I indulging in all this? I said, wow, that guy could do it. Or if that guy, you know, has these, it's okay. It's okay mm-hmm. to fail. It's okay to, uh, to not get it right. Be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you know and and give it time i think we're, we live in an era of quick fixes and, and psychologists have a lot to answer for but they say things like it takes 28 days to change a habit it takes a lot longer than oh, 100%. and smokers will often say that mm. I, I don't call myself a non-smoker you know and we can always be toppled by another event that happens, 100%. something that brings back a memory an echo and we're back to where we started. Yeah. Say. So it's a constant. Yeah. And it was that was kind of a changing point for me. And it was around the time I was engaging. I was back in counselling. Like, I keep t- topping it, dropping in, dropping out. Because I believe it's like personal training from my mind. I love it. I used to just think when I went. I remember going to 2012. Uh, a, guy, a lady called Maggie Cox. She's one of the greatest people I've ever met. She's been my counsellor. And I remember going thinking, I'm going to go here for two weeks. And I'm out here. Show me a few strategies. Get me out here. I'll be grand. Mm. 
six years, seven years going around the roundabout and you know and she used to say, you know, you gotta be compassionate to yourself, you gotta you know, all these kind of things. I was like, What does that mean? Is that me going to Tesco buy myself a bag of M and M's? Mind the little boy. I was like, What? I'll just feed him. I'll just feed the little fecker, you know? But it was that stuff talking to you about being kind. I was like, Wow, I need to be kind to me. And something that she said to me actually, Maggie, she goes, You know, you do a job in the NH and you know, it's very empathic and you 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 care about these trainees. But how come you're not empathic to yourself? Mm-hmm. Like and I'm like so are you saying that the empathy that I have them is not genuine? She says, I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking you. Do you think it's genuine? I was like, what the fuck? Am I a fake? Am I going to work? Am I, do I actually hate these trainees now? I was like, oh man, I was having a meltdown. And then I had to think about it. No, I do. I love the work. I really care for the trainees. I am empathetical. Why am I not to myself? And then I start exploring what it really meant. And again, it's grand having the, the intellect about it mind yourself look after yourself how do you do that how do you feel that it's being kind to yourself when you make mistakes don't you know what it's okay what would you say to another person you say it's grand it's not a major deal it's grand and i start saying that to myself mm. you know it's really important like really like i'm really kind to myself i i mind myself you know i mind myself in work i i mind myself in relationships i mind myself in my family you know i really look after myself as much as i look after other people and by doing that, I have become more empathetic. I have become more understanding. Like I really uh, have seen the the benefits of that within my relationships. Like I've had disastrous relationships over the years, like persons with girlfriends, and you know they were like they were just like the rest of my life a fucking disaster. <laughs> but as I'm getting older, I, I'm getting better. You know because I'm being better to me, and I can be more kind to me. I can be more present for other people. Still, it's it's challenging, but it's it, you really you have to be kind to yourself. You I know, I think self compassion and being kind to yourself are really important. But I think they get very confused with self indulgence, and I think that's what people do. Then they they drink too much, eat too much, as if oh, that's yeah. and you're you're making the point that it's not that. It's about kind of trying to lead life in a good way, in a good, well rounded way. You've mentioned the word holistic there a few times, and it is that thing of mind, body, spirit, the lot. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, and you really, you do have to, you have to be kind to and it's not the, indul- I used to think it was, indul- it was, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be kind to myself, I'll just go out more, I'll see people, you know, I really didn't get it, yeah. I re- it was a blind spot to me, you know, I had the the intellectual awareness, but I didn't have the emerging awareness, I don't know what I look like, but now I do, I know it, you know, if I make mistakes, like last week we were meant to do this interview and it all went belly up and the mics didn't work and all. And Maeve didn't turn up. And Maeve didn't turn up. It was meant to happen. <laughs> if that had happened a year ago, I would have been crushed. I'd be thinking, oh, they think I'm an idiot. I haven't got a clue what I should be doing this. People are going to judge me. I don't care about that anymore. You I... were so calm. You were brilliant. You <laughs> completely took it in your stride. And yet, no, it looks like it's not going to happen today. Yeah, and I do that right across the board now. It can be a bit challenging sometimes, but I really have to... Uh... Yeah, I... I, I... That's what I do now. I don't give myself a hard time over. I really don't. You know, it's it's not the end of the world. Everything used to be. I used to be. I would have classed myself as a perfectionist. Again, what's that all about? That's again, again, hiding from something. You know, now I've nothing to prove. You know, I value I think myself. Often it's about trying to control the things you can't control. If I'm if I'm a perfectionist, well then everything will be just right. Mm-hmm. And it's really trying to make something right when you know deep down it's not right. Yeah, like even like my body, like even my like body. Uh, body image i wouldn't have took off my t-shirt you know 
And people are like, that's mad. Like, you look okay. You look great for your age or whatever. And I'm like, I just wasn't happy with it. I would. Now I actually, I'm not that bothered. I just think I look grand, you know. Mm. But people used to find that bananas. They go, why? Probably because of that girl said that thing about me. <laughs> hope she falls down the stairs. No, one listen. <laughs> No, I, I don't have I don't have any anger to her whore. I don't have any anger towards anyone. Like she was just saying what she said. She was only a kid as well, you know. But and it's it's more than what she said. It's just you were at that vulnerable time in your life, and that's why things hurt so much when you're a teenager. Yeah. They go straight to the heart. Yeah, and, and, and the girl really that was going out with told me. <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Just, anyway, yeah, so that. well, I'm I'm excited to to ask you about your current project. I think. Your most up-to-date learnings is very exciting, Matt. And what would that be? Talk to me about yoga and mindfulness. Okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> right, so I've applied to be a yoga teacher. Uh, I've done a course. I went to Thailand. I was in Thailand, and I just love being around love and kindness. How that came about, actually, somebody was asking something of me in life that I couldn't give them. They wanted something, and I said, no, I can't give this to you. I'm looking for love and kindness in my life. And that's what you need. But I can't give that to you. And you can't give that to me because of circumstances. And that was the first time I possibly admitted that that's where I want in my life. Love and kindness. And I want to be around. I want to, I want to, I want to surround myself of it. You know, so when I went to Thailand, you know, I met a monk and I hung out with him for the day. And we went uh, visit other monks. And it just, you know, when it just feels right, you know, and I just loved them. we deep conversation and I was struggling with anxiety that day and fear and all those kind of things and it was so apt that I was driving around with a monk for, for six or seven hours and going to temples and having the chats with a monk uh, uh, Ram was his name, it was amazing so I just wanted more of that and when I came back I kept saying I'll go down to the Buddha Centre uh, and I'll do one of the meditation courses and I just want to be around but like everything I kept bottling it I didn't go down and then as you know, I, I, I try to do something different all the time. I try to go outside my comfort zone. Uh, I try add new things to me to me life all the time, you know, and I record, I write it down now. So I went and I absolutely loved it. You know, I just love being around that environment and I don't know what it is. I just follow the flow now of life and that just kept kind of bringing me to it. I went and I'd done more yoga classes and I was shit. I was shit. But the meditation stuff came in. He was like, you know, there's, there's, there's hindrance to meditation, but I think they're hindrance to anything you do in life. You know, if it's, it's if it's if it's uh, avoidance, if it's ill will towards yourself, they'll come up in all sorts of things. And within the yoga, I was like, oh, I'm crap at this. I'm better off in the gym. I better lift them weights. Go do that. Forget the yoga. But then I was saying, no, there's something in this. Do you know what I mean? I want to be here. If, and I thought to myself one morning, if someone says to you, I'm going to give you a superpower, you're brilliant at yoga. Would you take it? And I was like, yeah, I would. I was like, then you need to keep going back to yoga. Yeah. Your success is in your mess. You know, my, my, my mobility is shit. So what better thing to do than to do yoga? Meditation is there. Love and kindness is there. My mate Ty Gluby is a yoga teacher and I love him. I go there. He's like my spiritual brother. And he just delivers an amazing. And, and I'd love to do that. I'd like to be that, to be part of that kind of loving kindness not to become it just to be part of it you know uh so yeah so that's the kind and of what, what are the benefits that you're noticing oh like i wouldn't again it's not like this is the the most this has been the most significant of things but 
it's it's an accumulation with all the other stuff I do. Mm. It's 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 the next level. You know, I'm I'm aware of my thoughts. I'm the watcher of my thoughts. You know, I can I can watch. I don't I don't believe in the in the feelings, the thoughts that come into my head. Whether it be I'm having conversation with my manager or my ma or my dad or me, and they irritate me. I'm able to watch that it's not them. It's just it either be a trigger or it'll be. I know I I know now it's not me. It's just them talking. It's helped me be the watcher of my thoughts, maybe. You know, and the, and watch mm-hmm. them coming in, coming out, and they don't let them impact me. You know, again when I when I'm having conversation with people and I feel irritated, straight away I'm watching me being irritated by this person. And I'd be like, they've done nothing wrong here, and I'm getting irritated. This is mad. But I just be present. So you're able to take the step back and just. And I'm just present with the person, and I can listen. Like I've done a, a leadership course last year, you know, and we 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 covered a lot on communication and being a leader, and I feel like I'm a leader. That's something I never taught myself as, you know. Uh, but again, that was part of that training as well. Is is what's theirs, what's yours, you know, uh, and not taking things personal, you know. So mm-hmm. I just feel it's an area like I've done the the training, the exercise, and all that. I just think it's 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 where I want to go now, you know, uh, with the with the mindfulness mm. and the. Uh, and have you brought it into your work here yet, or is it too soon for that? Which the, the mindfulness. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Anything I do outside here, whether it be books I read on nutrition or books I do on disease or anything, this is a great place to bring it in. And I'll talk to trainees like, have you? T- anything we do here, you know, we we will say, have you have you known about this? Have you seen this? You know, and they go no, and we'll talk through it. Like I'm not here to to indoctrinate anybody but i'm just saying did you know you didn't know this and they will go off read and trainees will come back and say wow i read about that or that's not really for me so yeah anything i do like the yoga or like the, the meditation like i had trainees walking around here today in their bare feet and about half an hour later that guy jason brennan yeah. was talking about rooting and taking your shoes off and i was doing that with the trainees because i learned it in thailand and i learned on the the buddhist course you know about rooting and sensations and being mindful to that so yeah any chance i get and if it's beneficial to the trainees and it's not countering counteractive to any to the treatment that they're getting and it's it's a holistic approach again we're not teaching i'm just kind of educating them did you know did you know that did you know that you didn't know that and uh yeah no i would i'd bring it in and, and the trainees love that you know and it, probably because i as i'm a male and it would see me as a strong fear and for me to be talking about meditation or mindfulness or mental health or my experience helps a little bit so Matt like you when you came to NRH you hadn't had a background in healthcare really you were on this journey and you came here so did you get caught up in a lot of the trainees stories were, you, were they going around in your head and your heart or how, how did you manage all of that all of a sudden to be hearing so much sadness uh, I had this yeah, like when I came here in 2010, Adina asked me to come along and she asked me to do a bit of exercise with them. And, you know, and I says, oh, I've learned how to do PowerPoint. Can I make up a, a, a presentation? She says, yeah, go for it. Work it. Knock yourself out there, pal. So I done up like a, a, a kind of healthy living for people with disabilities. And I loved it. You know, I came to meet them. And straight away when I met them, I was able to see beyond the disability. I never seen the disability. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to their disability. I just used to see them and I used to see courage and strength and showing up and turning up and being here. And I don't, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't. Yeah. I, I, I felt and I was empathic towards. And I was like, geez, that's hard for you. 
but it was more engaged in them as people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and still to that, mm-hmm. to, the, to this day, when I hear uh, trainees talk or they do presentations, I see beyond that and I think, what an incredible human being you are. Like, you know, my friend Derek Cummins was on the podcast. He just talks. And I used to see the identical person that he was before his injury. Same enthusiasm, same passion, same drive. And I, I do, like, there is times you would get sad and go, Jesus Christ, I hope you do well. And especially when you really like a trainee. Mm-hmm. But more than not, I used to just be in awe of them. Like, I tell trainees how much they inspire me and how much, I know that's word porn sometimes for people, but how much they drive me on, how much and I bring into my private life, you know. That's what I was going to ask you. What have you learned from working with trainees here? Because some people would say it's a very hard group to work with. People whose lives have been changed by brain injury. What have you learned from them? You can, you can, you can, you can go down that road, and you know, you can wallow. And I know there's, there's, there's a vicarious trauma, but I used to see beyond that. I, I just, I just see the strength of character, the determination, the will. Life has been tough, and these these could uh, could bounce back. And I know they might not see it and they might not feel it and not believe it. Like, I watched that change and it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. There probably, there probably would be a bit of, like, we're similar. There's a bit of similarity. We both had difficult periods in our lives and I was able to move forward and they do too, you know? And I, I, I feel like I have something in common. I feel like I like I was only listening to a girl this morning, uh, Carolyn uh, McGuigan from Suicide or Survive, and she was just saying human connection. It's the thought of being connected to other people. It's just so powerful, and I I think that's probably the piece I felt connected to them, and I still feel connected. To them. Some drive me bonkers, and I'm sure some of the I drive most of them bonkers. But I'd say just inspiration and just their their, their will for life and as much as they don't probably see it but you just t- they keep turning up yeah. you know it's so it'd be easy for them to, to shut off and not come in and yeah. you know it you've seen it like yeah. i think you work hard to, to look for that connection though i think you you do really well at it and you'd have a reputation around noh now for being mr motivator you know you motivate people physically and your boot camps i've done some of them myself until you changed to the mornings and I couldn't do the mornings but uh, I know Rose has done pull-ups based on your she has huge muscles here and um, so you are Mr. Motivator but what motivates you? Our camera's gone. Oops. That's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Maeve and I have no problem with that. Has it gone off on us? Ah sure. I wouldn't worry about that much. We keep going with the sound. It what keeps doing that. 35 minutes. I don't know. You see, I told you they should only be 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, somebody said I was listening to your podcast, but it's awful long. <laughs> well, what was your question? Sorry, we'll have to edit what, some of that out. What motivates you, Mr. Motivator? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm motivated. Excuse me. I'm motivated just by life. Anything like I was only listening to a podcast the other day, uh, a guy on Super Soul, uh, a girl on Super Soul, Oprah's one. And she was talking about, you know, finding your passion, you know, uh, you know, she used to be, be, spout to say, well, you got to find your passion, you got to find your passion, you know, this is how you do it and all that. And she got a letter saying that somebody said, look, you're a phony. Like, what are you saying that? That's the word I keep hearing that from all your gang, find your passion. I've been looking for it. I've been looking for it all my life. And if anybody had found it, I'd have found it. So stop banging on with that. You know, I was like, wow. And she had to think about it. And she think all the people in her life are special. They never found the passion. They all went up snakes and ladders, down a hill, up a hill. But now they're, uh, now they're, 
doing well for themselves in life. And they're like hummingbirds. So they just bounce from one to another, find what they love, they stay with that if it doesn't. And that's kind of what I've done. You know, and now I've embraced that. You know, whether it be the boot camps, whether it be the PUAs, whether it be all things that are beneficial to me, I love. And I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't probably necessarily regard myself as a positive person. You know, because I can be sad, but people just tend to latch onto that and they associate that with me. But you're, you talk to any of the girls in the office here, like, one day I could be singing, the next day I'd be as quiet as anything. But the, the general... Can cons- that day. Yeah. But- <laughs> But then, but some days I don't really have much motivation at all. But I just keep turning up, you know. But it's about like this is an easy place to work, you know. Uh, so. But I I think um, your superpower is your vulnerability, in a lot of ways because I think you you show and you share your vulnerability to other people, you know, within your training and your boot camps, but within your conversations in the coffee shop, everywhere you go. And people then find it easy to open up to you and to reach out to you because they know they're not going to be judged and, you know, they know that they're going to meet a like-minded person. Mm, yeah. And I know that happens a lot in NIH. I know you're secretly actually doing some of my job. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, we're, we're, we're on the same team, you know. Uh, yeah, vulnerability, Brene Brown, you know, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Maya Angelou, you know, all these powerful spiritual influential people you know they talk about vulnerability and i wouldn't i wouldn't have it wouldn't have been something i've done for a long time but then i i I learned how to do it and i think it's a powerful tool and i was on a leader that leadership course i was on last year and the first day the course uh coordinator the lady i think her name uh she started talking but I was watching her like I do my serial killer look. I was staring at her, waiting for the information to come out of her mouth. And I could see her neck getting red, pulling at her top. She was getting anxious. And she just stopped. I said, oh, guys, I'm really sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm really sorry. I'm getting really nervous. I'm really, I don't know, I don't know what's out there coming over me. And I thought that was amazing. Like, that was leadership. That was vulnerability. And I just said, look, I'm sorry to see you cry. I'm sorry to see you all nervous. I said, but I'm delighted to do that. Because that makes me feel fantastic. And I really want to be here. If these are the type of people I'm going to be around to be vulnerable, be nervous, be anxious, just be honest, you know. And I, I just, it just snowballs, you know. And I just think now, but again, it's being vulnerable to people that are open to it. I wouldn't be vulnerable to everybody. You know, I, I've got good uh, emotional and social intelligence. And as we know, if there's energies and we match, I'll know straight away. I'm not going to be telling it to anyone. I'm not going to tell it to anybody on the bus or anything. But, you know, you, you know who to be vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. But even if I am vulnerable, I'll just I'll just say it, you know. Uh, I feel better and it feels like I'm I'm not hiding anything. I always felt like I was hiding something. I'd always put on the brave face, you know, doing the diddle 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 you know, you know, nothing's going on here. Everybody move along, move along, nothing to see. And I'd be shitting on the inside and I wouldn't say it. But now I do. I say, yeah, I'm nervous, but I always believe that whatever I do, it will be good and it'll, it'll be all right. What does good mean? Get it done. You know, I'm not going to sit there with metrics and go, oh, how good was it? Right. It'll always be okay. Even like when like I had difficulty with my mental health, I always had this innate feeling that it'll be okay. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I, I think vulnerability is, is a powerful tool, but it's just hard for people to do. You know, and it's lovely to be around people when they start to practice, you know, as you know, as I'm in conversation with someone last week. And it's lovely to see and it's lovely to be around. That's a freedom, 
you know, because society doesn't, and, and we have, we're blessed in this environment, you know, there's people around here that if you want to be vulnerable with, they're there for you. I'm sure it's difficult for people, you know, in say corporate jobs or in their family life, you know, vulnerability wouldn't be accepted. You know, I'm training with a lad at the moment, we're up in a new gym and me and him have deep and rich conversation and to talk about vulnerability and we're from the same area and we're just saying, wow, it's mad that we're having these conversations. But it's mm -hmm. deadly. Mm -hmm. You know, not only are we, we working on our disco muscles, we're getting to talk about vulnerability and feelings. <laughs> so you have the mind, you've got your disco muscles. What about the diet? My diet is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> sugar is my friend, sugar is my friend, sugar is not my friend, sugar, sugar is not my friend. Uh, no, my diet, is, my diet is good at the moment. I've started doing a, a cut again. So we're coming up to the summer, my beach body. Now, what I'm trying to really do is I'm not doing the on-season, off-season or cutting or bulking. What I done was I, I died before I went to Thailand. And when I got there, within five days, I put on about six kilo. I couldn't actually get into one of my uh, training tops two days into the holiday. I was actually stuck. I was stuck halfway with my top over my head and my arms. And I was thinking, how could I dial the reception with my face planted in a, in a fucking T-shirt? What and are you I, eating? Noodles and rice? Everything, everything. I just went, absolutely. I, I was minding myself as I used to do and just like eating McDonald's at three o'clock in the morning. I just went absolutely bananas. So what I'm trying to do now is probably go back to the condition that I was just before the holiday and that's it and just stay at that instead of no going up or down and just keeping it. I've got the skills to do that now. Um, so that's that's the plan. So and you're doing the kefir milk and all that. He was given this kefir stuff. No, I was. I love kefir and I love uh, uh, probiotics and all that kind of stuff. But I don't like to drink my calories, so that was wasting a lot of my calories. As much as I, I, uh, I loved it. I like to eat it. So it's whole foods, solid mm. foods. So I'm on my solids. I sound like a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember you saying to the farmer's day when you came down to talk to them a couple of years ago, you said you can't outrun a bad diet. So no matter how healthy you are and no matter how much you run, if you're eating badly. Oh, yeah. I used to attribute like training. I think I could eat whatever when I was training. You can't really. I still believe that exercise is only maybe 20 percent. I think diet is 80, if not more, you know. But it's what? funny, once you'd said that, you then turn around and said, actually, the most important thing is do things that make you smile. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like uh, people say to me, you know, oh, you're an advocate for exercise and going doing weights or gym and all. I am and I, I am and I, I tell people, you know, there's, there's more benefit and more bang for your buck if you do the things that you love. Mm. Like if you sat two people down and you do, done some testing on them, you know, someone that loves exercise and someone that doesn't and you ask them to go exercise, I'm sure you'll get a negative response if they're miserable all the time. If you're asking somebody to run 5Ks or 2Ks or 3Ks, but you keep saying, oh, but it's beneficial to you in the long run, I'm sure there's going to be negative aspects to that. Where if you said to them, look, I think you possibly could live longer, but if you just go on a calorie-restricted diet, eat below your, your, nest, your need and take up painting or walking your dog or doing some kind of physical activity that you love mm. and watch your nutrition. So then you would be happy getting some physical exercise and then doing something that you love. I think there's more bang for book there than telling somebody, oh, you need to join a, a gym and, and start beating yourself with the exercise stick. And then, you know, again, that'll be, oh, I'm not good enough with this, my body, all these beautiful people in the gym. That's another thing for somebody to get over. So, you know, women or men that have not been in gyms, to ask them to go do that then that's putting another kind of barrier to them 
Yeah. Like, what have you said to him? Just go out walking every evening. Go meet up yeah. a friend. Go for a coffee. Join the walking group. Join the whatever group. I often think of that when we say to people here, but I work on the spinal program and we'd say to them, well, now, you know, you don't need a physio when you leave here. You need to join a gym. And I'm thinking, given people's regular, you know, regular hang ups about going to a gym, asking somebody in a wheelchair to go to a gym, it's a really big ask. And we just say it as if it's the same as eat a banana a day, go to the gym. It's not the same thing at all. There's huge barriers. There's a fabulous paper, actually, barriers to going to a gym as a disabled person. Oh, 100%. You know, they're, they're, they're intimidating environments for anybody. And if you were like, if you feel that you're not within the, the social norms, you know, whether you're carrying a bit of extra timber, you're in a wheelchair, or you've an amputee, or you have a disability of some sort, they're scary places. Life is scary anyway for people with a disability. But then to go to a gym where all these, where you believe these are super athletes or beautiful people, mm-hmm. where they're, they're, they're struggling just as much as you in the wheelchair, or you and, you know, you might be in a wheelchair when they're not. We're all the same, but it's intimidating. So I try not bang on that drum too much and tell people, oh, exercise, exercise, exercise. It's the great way, hope. Okay. So, Matt, then. Uh, as we're very mindful, we want to keep it under two hours. Yeah. <laughs> How would you round it off then? Your podcast audience is growing all the time. Yeah. Um, what is the top tip? What is the message that Matt Burke wants everyone to hear and to really hear? Mm, it's a very philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what would I you know always I'll always say to anyone all humans all people they just they need to be kind to themselves they really need to to look at things from a helicopter view appreciate the life that you had look at the things that you you've been successful and when I say successful I don't mean your degree or your job or your car or the girlfriend you have like your life like getting through your family all the little things that are so important you know uh have a look at all those things and be appreciative of the life that you have. Be kind to yourself, you know, practice, practice gratuity, you know, uh, find a mantra, say mantras to yourself, you know, affirmation, say affirmations to yourself, you know, do things that make you happy. Practice, practice life like a kid. You know, no one practices uh, mindfulness and presence like kids. Mm. Like you, what I watch, I was playing with me, my nephew and niece to begin and my daughter and I've never been more present as I am at the moment. I watch them and they play and they don't have a worry in the world. They laugh. They run around like lunatics. They don't care. They love laugh and dance. And mm. sometimes they cry. That's cool. You know, we need to do more of that. And, and that's what I think. I, I think self-compassion, uh, empathy and being present. Like, I've never valued presence as much as I do now. Mm. You know, and we, we're easily dragged out of that with a worry or a, or a negative thought. And it's sometimes it's hard to come back to it but what i would say as well as the people is is the practice you know that's what i've learned whether it be meditation whether it be relationships i'm practicing i'm just trying if i make a mistake it's okay you know it's not i have to do this and that has to be done i'm practicing i'm practicing i'm practicing the podcast i'm practicing human connection i'm practicing and sometimes i get around and sometimes i don't and when i do i say well done to you and when i don't i go Unfortunately, I just try harder the next time, or try better, or be bit whatever. I, I be kind, but I do also recognize when I do good things, and when people do good things, and that's something that's important as well is is acknowledging when people do good for you. And I, I send random texts to people, thanking them for being kind to me or supportive, or, and I genuinely mean it. And it's part of, as you say, what's your one? Uh, the rag. 
reframe affirmations and gratuity. Like I, I have them all around my computer, I have them on my fridge in the house, and I say them. You know, even when I was going through a dark time last year, I wrote these things on the on the wall, you know, what I wanted to have love back in my heart, creativity, because when I'm down or I'm not feeling great, creativity goes, I lose it. Well, I have the creativity to write miserable poems, but it's not the one I want. I want to be able to have the crack. Oh, now we have to see the poems. <laughs> yeah. So I lose that in uh, in times of my, my downtime in my mind. I lose that creativity. And I just remind me that I will be in love again. I will have uh, happiness and I will. I'm successful. I'm healthy. And all these things are out there. And I truly believe them. And they, they're, they're there. They come true. They've come true. You know, I've got love in my heart. I've got love in my life. I've got health, wealth. But how I value that is for me. I don't have a, a barometer to say, this is what it has to be. I've, I think I am all of that and more. Your I'm laughing at your answer because your enthusiasm for life is evident. Uh, Rose asked you for a top tip and you've been talking for about five minutes. <laughs> 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 it's a very long top tip, but it is about being. And I, I'm just reminded of a psychiatrist who, who broke her neck and, and has been discharged here recently. And she just said, my doing days are over. I have to be now. And I just thought it was a lovely way of, well, reframing high-level spinal mm-hmm. cord injury. But it kind of is what you're saying. Be. Be in the mm-hmm. moment. Be grateful. Be be yourself. Be kind. They're all kind of ways of being, I guess. You know? Yeah, like, I don't, you know, I don't say, oh, I have to meditate. I have to do this. And, oh, I don't. Like, I do courses now. And I think, oh, how am I going to implement this in my life? And, oh, I need to be doing this. And, oh, always oh, having this. Now we just chill it will just happen like, and yet you do lots of things i was curious coming over today i was thinking what i ask matt and one of the things is just very basic curiosity around why these podcasts why have you spent 100 hours doing over 50 podcasts that are most enjoyable to listen to but what why are you doing them and what have you learned from them i would possibly say uh, again it was just a storytelling it's sharing the story with you it's education i love education i love not knowing things and being educated whether it be about Whatever, I remember sitting in the van going to collect the furniture and it was this uh, Dutch guy was giving us a lift and he was late. My mate was doing his head in, you know, he's the guy that said about me being a fine wine. Uh, he was like, he was going mental. He's like, where is this fella, right? So we were like, where were you? And your mum's like, oh, I was down at the docks. I was sailing my boat and I was on the sea. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. We started asking him question. And my mate is hell. And he goes, would you shut the book up? And I was like, what is the boat? And he was like, oh, it's fiberglass. And he knew everything about boats. And I was fascinated by this because I love people's passion. Like, I don't care what it's about. If you're passionate about something, I'm going to listen to you. Especially like, I'm not really into religion, but if somebody knows a lot about religion or, or, or something, I'll definitely listen and I love it because they've spent a lot of time learning about this. And then I'd be really appreciative. But my mate was like, will you shut up? Like, you wind me up. Talk about boats and fiberglass. I doesn't want to kick him in the sea. Uh, and it was that kind of thing that really made me think, you know what? And I said it to a couple of people that I'd like to do a podcast again, to sit down with people like you two guys and other people. So it's been a, it's been an education. It's been a journey. It's, it's it just, again, it's like the, it's like the meditation and the yoga and it's just, it's where I'm going with it. You know, like my mental health, you know, that I had difficulties in the past about that. Now I embrace and now I'm involved in the suicide, the SAGS group, we're called the SAGS group, suicide awareness group. Uh, I'm involved in that because it's something that I love to do and it's, it's it's people are getting stuff out like people have said lovely things to me about the podcast sent me lovely letters like I brought a father and son together that they didn't know it was his dad and uh, he got in contact with me through the podcast 
Well, he says, I, I, you know, could I have his name or his number? And I said, well, this guy is looking for you. And then he said, I think you're going to be me. I think you're me dad. And yeah. another girl that I had on the podcast, Liz Gillis, she had somebody talk to her at an event or didn't talk to her event. He texted later saying, look, I was really impressed by your interview on the podcast. You inspired me to write a book about my dad. He was in the, the IRA and or my granddad or mm. something. And I've had other powerful messages, you know, so I don't look on how many listeners I have or what we're doing. I don't do any of that. It's not about that anymore. It's just about people's story or an education for me. There's a lot in it for me, but like people are getting a lot out of it as well. You know, people in work have said nice things. Uh, so yeah, it's, a, it's been a bit of education, storytelling. It's, just, it's typical of me, just random and off the wall stuff, you know, but it's deadly. It's everything. There's nothing on it that I regret. There's no one on it that I would never want on it. They're everyone I wanted. I, I personally picked them. They're my people that I wanted to have on. They're people I generally want. I'd love to sit down and have the chats with that person. Well, Matt, I think now, in true Matt lingo, Maeve and I are going to bounce. <laughs> <laughs> 54 minutes and 22 seconds. You kept it under the hour. You're going to bounce. Have we left anything out? Anything where you were bursting to say and didn't get a chance? No, no. I, I, I just, if, if I haven't said already, uh, the NRH, uh, you two guys in particular, are amazing people. This is the greatest place to, to work. It is, we're, honestly. We're rolling our eyes here. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, people, that anyone, that, anyone that knows me know that I love it. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was fantastic to sit down with you two guys and have the chats about this. I probably wouldn't have been as comfortable with, with, uh, with anyone else to do it, you know. Uh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would have been. <laughs> I didn't think you're not that mean. I know you're pretending to be mean, but I don't think you are. You're fab, Matt. Penny's on. Penny's on. <laughs> your, your enthusiasm, as I said, is infectious. infectious it, it's yeah. lovely to be in the presence of it because you are always so positive, and it's not positive as in Pollyanna. You just must be happy no matter what. It's it's positive against the background of. Trauma and other things going on. It's real. It's real. Can I, can, thanks. And I, I genuinely like that. And I like to be genuine. Can I tell you a little story? There's a quick one, I promise you. I'll let you say, you can bounce in a second. <laughs> I wondered, I wondered where I got this from, this innate feeling that everything will be okay, right? And I, and I, my dad's going through cancer the last seven or eight years. My mom had cancer and all. And they used to come back, right? And they used to really irritate me. Oh, the girl in the hospital. Oh, she's so lovely. And this person's lovely. And I'm like, Will you stop being so fucking Irish and just say like you're annoyed or blah blah? And it, it wasn't fake, it's real. They my dad genuinely believes these are good people, things are gonna be okay. He's very positive, you know, he's had cancer and chemo every every week for the last seven years, but still bangs on about this nurse is great, that doctor's nurse, or that doctor's great, and all these other people are great and are wonderful. And I'm thinking, is he just being Irish? But no, he genuinely believes that things are gonna be okay. And that has rubbed off on me somewhat, you know, you know, we all give out about our man dad and all these kind of things. Oh, I didn't get up for this, whatever. They've been wonderful, but I didn't know that I was learning that from them, mm -hmm. that dissonating mm -hmm. that everything will be okay. And and that's my dad. Like my dad had kidney cancer, he got his kidney out. A week later he's back on his bike, his his motorbike, a four hundred CC thing, flying around, <laughs> collecting money for his job, like he's self employed. Like he works himself, he's never takes sick days, he just works, works, works. Not because he has to or he's stuck for money. He loves it. And that's his enthusiasm, you know. Like he's been doing you know, people talk about inspiration and he's was my inspiration. Like he didn't miss days. He got us up for school every day. Like he just done it because he was up. Never order a show. Just consistent, consistent. 
yeah so yeah that's kind of that's been influential with uh being a positive yeah, yeah. and that's probably where i got it from as much as i give out about to the parents exactly. thanks to me man and that yeah. and to the liberties it's me uh, true love so look yeah. thanks for coming on the podcast thanks for making it easier than i thought it would have been <laughs> and thank you thank you Matt. thank you